0: morning, except for the air hurts my face, I don't know why we live somewhere where that happens, but you know what, we're going to run with it, we appreciate you all coming out here this morning, We, we love to gather together on a Sunday morning and praise God, I love that song, just rejoicing the fact that we have a Savior who lives, and He lives for us, so we can have a free life full of joy, and just so many great things that God has given us, so it's great to gather together and just praise that God. So we have a bunch of announcements today. We're going to start with some uh, children's ministry announcements. So I can have Ethan come on up here, and he's going to uh, talk to us about some children's ministry opportunities. Morning, everyone. So
1: in God's Word, he refers to us as being a body, right?
0: And so every part of the body works together in this beautiful
1: orchestra, right, That that is our body. Think about a symphony and all the different instruments that go into that. And every, everyone has a part to play, right? And in God's great uh, plan, each one of you has a part to play as well, and you have a part to play here in our church. And so there's a couple of areas that we'd like you to be aware of, to be praying about. Um, we, need, we, we really need someone, a couple of individuals or more, we don't know, but we need people who are, are passionate about, who, who care about, who are passionate about, children, and children's ministries. We need help in our, our nurseries. We need help in the, the children's ministry, the children's church, etc. And it, it doesn't really have to – it's not a certain demographic necessarily that needs to be involved in that. It could be anyone of any age, and, and that's part of what we've looked at uh, in the past weeks. We have uh, very faithful people here in our church who are, are – Ministering faithfully right, right into their eighties with, with children. So, but the main thing is, is that we want people who are who are passionate about it. So, if be praying about that. So, be be praying about that. What, what does God have for me? Because we are looking for someone who is is passionate about our children, about the uh, from the babies uh, right up through our elementary school children. I was reading earlier a couple of weeks ago um, a devotional. And uh, it says that your service is desperately needed in the body of Christ. Just ask any local church. Each of us has a role to play, and every role is important. There is no small service to God. It all matters. Likewise, there are no insignificant ministries in the church. Some are visible, and some are behind the scenes, but all are valuable. Smaller hidden ministries often make the biggest difference. In my home, the most important light is not the large chandelier in our dining room, but the little nightlight that keeps me from stubbing my toe when I get up at night. So sometimes, you know, we, we all want, need our light to shine, don't we? God has given us a light. He's given us, you all have individual talents and perspectives and passions. And so be praying about what God has for you here and in our local church and whether or not uh, those ministries are a fit for you. And
0: uh, Jason McCoskey is going to come up as well. The reason these two are coming up is because these are our most faithful. Well, there's a lot of people here who've done a lot too, and I don't want to take away from that. Honestly, I don't. We have a lot of people that do a lot of stuff here. But Alicia sometimes is on triple duty. She's in nursery, she's in children's church, and then she's you know she's on triple duty. Jason and Jen again. There are people. We have a lot of people who are running double, triple duty. So we want to come up and uh, and have this stuff. So we we really are.
2: And, yeah, I know the shocked look on your face, same look I had. <laughs> and, yes, yeah, Charlotte, uh, your concerns and complaints, they have been logged with Lee, and uh, they will try and do a better job of researching their new deacons before
0: <laughs>
2: Well, anyways, uh, in my time as deacon, which has been all of five minutes, I've come to learn that one of the things that the other deacons and myself are concerned about is direction of the church, where we're going, you know, how to better lead and serve. And that's one of the great things that I've heard in these meetings is, we are servants. We're called to serve, we want to serve, we love this church, and we love all of you. Well, how do we do that? Well, as we're doing our discussions, we hear a little voice in the back of the room, the children. And we're like, what is that? The children. And we're like, let speak up. So he tells us we need helping the children's church. And he gave us this statistic, and I went and researched it, and he said that by the time our students, these students here, graduate high school or in, or in their first year of college, 80% of them will leave the church never to return. But let me just show you what 80% of our kids look like. of the body of Christ that just left the church never to return. That to me is scary. Look around you and you see an empty seat next to you. That's these kids right here that we want back in this church. So how do we fight that? Well, doing more research on that, we the, the statistics that I've read and the, the documentaries that I've watched and read When they ask these students, why did you leave the church? They get into into a college with an educated professor who doesn't necessarily believe in God. So they are teaching them, you're silly for believing. These kids, these students look up to these professors and they start believing them. So how do we fight that? They want answers. That's what all of you are for. That's what we're for. That's what the deacons are for. We're here to serve. We're here to lead. We're here to teach. I am asking every single one of you to take the next week or so, next two weeks, pray. Help us in the junior church to equip all of these young students. So when they get to college and their professors come to them and say, you're silly for believing that there's a God. They have the tools, the education. To be able to say, no, this is why I'm not silly. This is why I can say confidently there is a God. All of these students here, it is my passion to teach them. I love being back with those kids. I'd be back there every week if I could. But I can't. And that's where we need you, every single one of you. I hope that you guys feel a passion like I do to help equip. Evangelize and disciple these young minds. Um, And I guess after you pray about it, if you feel like it is your passion and and something that you want to do, please see Pastor Wes. I mean, I'm not asking you to do it today. Take some time. Talk about it. Pray about it. Read through the Bible. And see Pastor Wes. Because we would love to have you on the team. And to finish up. I'd like the students to come back up with me real quick, and we're going to uh, talk about our, our fighter verse that we have. All right, kids, if y'all want to turn around, and let's let's read our fighter verse. It's from John 1, 12 through 13. You ready? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, how awesome is that
0: to teach these kids? Thank you all. You guys can sit down. Thanks for coming up. That, that's what we like, right? We don't want to lose that slump, because our church will just get old. we—that—that That is a huge way, a place where you guys can come alongside us and serve our church, because those they are the church now, but they're also the future of our church. These are the kids that will carry on. And uh, so we really want to build and dig deep into their lives so they are prepared. Um, so we have a couple other announcements that we're going to go through here quickly. The fighter verses, we just went over with them. I-, I love hearing them say it. So it's just really cool to say, you know, we-, we need to teach these to our kids. We need to keep them memorizing. So the fighter verse, whatever, keep keep that in mind. Keep that as you're going through your week to, to refresh you and you uh, go over that with you. So it's, uh, a couple of the other announcements that we have. Uh, up there for us are uh, we have uh, Faith 2 Ministries our prayer partners. I addressed that the last time that I spoke, uh up here and uh, we have a sheet out there on our walk booth I believe that has a list of all the names of the teams that are coming and or have come at one point but your job would be to pray that they come back and um, so we have a list out there there's a, a stack of cards and some pens. If you could just write down your name uh, if you want to volunteer and if you just want me to assign you a team, that's awesome. And if there's one in particular that you have a burden for, write down their name. Um, hand it either to me or, uh, or just put in the office if you can't find me. So we can start to build that up. And uh, the reason I don't want a sign up sheet is because you know, some kids might not get signed up for, and that looks really bad as a church. So we don't want to do that. Um, we don't want that to happen. So we want to have that out there for you to write a name up there, hand it in, because we, we really want to value we do it here with the kids, but we also we need to be praying for our teens and building them up as well. So please volunteer for that. That's where my biggest burden and heart is. So I pray that you guys will uh, will start to have a heart for that and start to feel the need for it. Um, we have a couple other things going on here. Uh, we have our Brazil trip, so that registration that uh, how much money is it, Four hundred dollars. The deposit is due either today if you don't have it in the next week. We'd like to get that in, so we need to start getting tickets and all that kind of stuff. That our registration is today and if you are still interested please contact it's a great it's a great opportunity for our church to, to build together as a group and we also are having um, the, the gospel according to marriage conference that's coming up in march it'd be a great uh, opportunity to sign up i'm looking forward to going lindsay looked at me and said hey we can actually go to these now so that's kind of fun um so we'll, we'll, we will be attending that so please go along with us and we uh we're also are having a baptism service here coming up soon so if you guys are interested in being baptized or questions about what that is, how that looks here in our church as we view it, uh, please feel free to contact the office. So uh, as we're going to transition into our worship time now, let, let's go before the Lord and pray that our hearts will be focused in offering a good incense before him. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you, Lord, we are alive now because Jesus lives. We thank you for what he has done for us, or we thank you for this church body. Lord, I pray that you will work in the lives of those in this church body and their hearts will be tuned towards the children's ministry here, Lord, that we will have and be able to raise up a generation of kids that changes this world for your name. Lord, we thank you for this time. I pray that as we go to worship that our hearts will be in on you and you alone. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me by turning to Colossians
2: chapter 1. I want to follow up with what Jason of our our newest deacons said and when he challenged and gave us that sober illustration of all the kids here and then some of the kids coming down, most of the kids coming down it is the church's job to equip you it is the church's job to equip you parents to disciple your children in the ways of the Lord you are called children to follow Jesus and you can't do that unless you're following Jesus and as you follow Jesus and responding to the gospel every day every week as you look to it you say to your kids come follow Jesus we as a church are to help equip you we as a church will help you in that process but it is the calling of every parent to do that and I pray that God would move in our hearts generations from now, we will look and we will see the next generation and the generation after that, not diluted in a weaker spirituality or faith in Christ Jesus, but a stronger faith, a stronger vitality. morning. And so in Colossians chapter 1, we are going to begin going through this letter. Last week we we began by looking at the the big picture. What is Colossians all about? Colossians is about walking in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Big phrase, big terms. What matters is that we live in it. We learn what they are and we really do it. We walk in the supremacy of Jesus Christ day in, day out. What that really means, this letter is about to tell us. Let's go go as real dependent people. I'm a real dependent preacher, and you're a real dependent listener. That's what we have to be. We are desperate. We need God to help come and do what he did to the recipients of this letter 2,000 years ago that Something happened, God came and did something when they heard a message, and it changed their entire life, and let's pray that God will do that for us this morning. God, I cannot do this, we cannot do this, we cannot hear your word well, be recipients of your word in such a way that it will produce fruit, unless you do that, unless your Holy Spirit comes, and I pray that you would do that, I pray that Christ would be exalted, The gospel of Jesus Christ would be so clear that I would proclaim the mystery of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Please, God. Would you minister to all the children right now and to those that are serving them in in this building, whether that be down this hall or the other hall with the nursery. Minister us in this room, their parents. In Jesus' name one before I read that I want to I want to set something into your imagination Molly and I and the kids are in the process of looking for a new home we, we bought we rented a house when we moved in this area in October and we are, we began the process probably around December maybe late November thinking about where we would live and we're putting a lot of imagination into that and putting a lot of thoughts into that and we've already started to look at certain houses and we Take into account where a house is located in the church and what kind of room would be for hospitality. And we also look at the outside. What, what could you do outside of that house? Well, my wife Molly and my oldest daughter Grace, they love gardening. They love gardening. They love, they love gardening. They love the smells of gardening. They love plants. They like flowers. They like fruit and fruit. Pro- they like uh, vegetables. They like all those things, and so we want to think in terms of taking that into account. Now, imagine we bought a house, say, we got in in May. That's probably an aggressive, optimistic outlook. Um, and we got in in May, and, and we got in there, and we started, and we looked around, and we said, boy, that grass needs a lot of work. And we looked, and we saw the shrubs, and they are all messed up, and they look like nobody has cared for them for years. And we looked, and we see, okay, there was a garden there, but, boy, we're going to need a lot make that garden go again, and, and we looked and saw all of this place, now imagine it's May and Molly and Grace are out there working, and a Vander pulls up, there's an old man that gets out with a cane, and he has a briefcase, he has nice tweed pants, a, a nice sweater, like you're trying to work here. And he he, have, he pulls out his suitcase, his briefcase, and he gives Molly and Grace a bunch of seeds. And he says, I want you to take these seeds and I want you to spread them all over the yard, and all over the garden, and all over the grass, and all over where the shrubbery. And I want you to do that. And I want you to be faithful to watering those seeds. And just watch what's going to happen. You will will find a beauty. You will find a fruitfulness that you could never imagine. And when all of that green comes, look under it. When you see that there is fruit, then you will know that this is here to stay forever. So he leaves. They decide to take his advice. and After about a month, everything is gorgeous. There is Trees that are blossoming. There are shrubs that are just gorgeous. There's a garden that is already starting to both blossom and even have fruit on it. And they are just astounded after the, the planting of these seeds and the care of, of watering those seeds. All this has happened. Even fruit is coming up and the van pulls up again. Molly and Grace go out to meet him. and they, This time... He asks, and they, he sees the fruit, he sees the garden, he sees the yard. What in the world did you give me, she asks. What kind of seeds or plants are these? These are lovely. They cannot be found in any gardening magazine or book or websites. And then he says, of course. They're new. They're transforming gardens and yards everywhere. You are part of a new world. This is the imagery, I believe, that the Apostle Paul has when he writes to the Colossians. And he writes to them this church that had blossomed. it had come out from the dead. And it had been in dead soil, and out of it comes life. And Paul is writing, and in the first few verses of this letter writes to them, and he goes, I am thankful to God. And what we find in all of Paul's letters is he has kind of what you would do in a letter. You'd probably write, dear so-and-so, and and then you might say a few things of introduction before you get to what you really want to get across. But in this case, when Paul would do that, he was very intentional in what he would write, when he would write to them. He was very intentional. He used every word of wisely. Now, we had all look back and we go, we know why for sure he did that. Is because these letters aren't just a man-made letter, though they were written by man. But in 2 Peter, it says that God moved these men by the Holy Spirit to bring about his word so that we would have life. Okay, so he wrote this letter, and he's carefully writing a thank you. He would start out, he would, he would start with a thanksgiving, and in this case, he's writing something really important. And he's going to get us into the theme of this whole letter, and really the whole heartbeat of what it means to walk in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And I, as I as I think and pray and ponder what God would do as we go through Colossians, I am saying, God, would you, for every single one in this room, in this you bring in this church? And in my life, would you take Colossians and would you transform our minds and our hearts and do what's happening, what we see, that I really tried to bring out to you in the beginning of this illustration. Because what Paul is going to say is what something was planted in this church. And when this was planted, unlike anything else, starting to come on the branches and a new world was in order. A new world was taking place. And this was happening not only in Colossae, but in Ephesus and in the Corinthian church and in Galatia. It was happening all over the world as the gospel is being spread all over. And I pray God I want to look at the first section, the first paragraph after you get the introduction. You have verses 3 through 8 is where I want to look at this morning. And I want us to see why Paul is giving thanks. And I want us as a church to go, God, thank you. And when we say, God, thank you, we say, oh, God, I long for that. And I pray that maybe some things that you haven't been praying for and hoping for and believing could happen in your and in your own family, and in your own marriage, and in your, your own, whether you're a student or single, whether you are married or you have grandchildren, that God would do a transformative work. Let's read the passage together, Colossians 1, 3-8. Paul writes this. It's from Paul, he switches to first-person singular, but sometimes he brings it to the plural. We, he's writing from prison. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul's praying for them. And this is why he thanks them. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, heard before, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, Just. fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Paul is the apostle in that region. Paul is the apostle by Jesus Christ who is sent to bring a message to the Gentile believers, those that are non-Jew, that there is a new world order. There is, there is, there is a new king his name is Jesus Christ, who was crucified. And he went through, and he was spreading the gospel, and he had brought it to Ephesus. And a man named Epaphras, who was from, from this town of Colossae, heard the Apostle Paul preach the gospel. He was transformed by this message, and he says, i got to get this message to my hometown. He took it to Colossae. And in Colossae, he preached the same message that Paul did. He planted the same seeds, and life took forth. And it just spread throughout, throughout part of the classy, so much so that they had a church. Now, Paul was put in prison, probably in Rome. And the church set a, sent Epaphras a to go visit Paul. And Epaphras goes and visits him and says to Paul, Hey, Paul, there is a great work taking place in Colossae. God is at work the message, the seeds that you delivered to me is being delivered and it's growing. He said there are some concerns, though. There's some teachers that are coming in and they're saying, yes, it's Jesus, but it's also, you need this. If you want a full expression, you need to keep these certain laws, you need to do these certain things, you have to experience these certain things, that's what you need, and Paul's going to address that, and we're going to see that in Colossians, but he said, but I there is real fruit taking place.
0: There is real lives
2: that are being changed. There, there was, there, there was these people that they were selfish, and they were rude, and they were jealous, and they were envious, and they were bitter. And now they're giving to each other all the time. Now they're when plagues come into the city, they they don't flee the city. The rich don't flee the city that are that are christians but instead they they reach out and they they love and they they they're they're different than anybody else he's telling and, and paul writes back to this church and he says hey by the way epaphras i learned from epaphras your love in the spirit thank you but he doesn't say thank you To say, what do we need to thank God for? What is it that we, as a church at Faith Baptist Church in Linden, Michigan, in 2016, need to hear from this passage and give thanks? I, we need, we should give thanks to God the Father, like Paul did. We must give Him thanks. We must worship Him, and not just get together and go, "Thank you, God," we go our way. But what I mean by that is our Flow out of a thankfulness to God. And, and that's what Paul was doing, and that's what Paul's going to say. Your life, as you grow, is going to grow in flowing, outflowing a gratitude to God. We saw, we're we going to see this theme of gratitude, abounding with thanksgiving. He says, As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, so walk in Him, rooted and ground up in faith, and in in established in your faith, and thanksgiving. You, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you received the gospel, the seed came in, you so walk in Him, and as you walk in Him, you are going to flourish, and you're going to be rooted and established and grounded in Him. You're going to be overflowing with the fruit of thankfulness. And that fruit of thankfulness results in love and compassion, ministry of mercy to other people. And it does, it's not fake. It's not false just manufactured and then just falls away because it's tapped into the rooted system, it's grounded, and it cannot fall fall or fail. Paul, Paul's gonna say that and he's gonna say so to, so walk in him. God's God's plan for every single individual that's that is his children. And and most of you here are his children. Some of you, God is in the process of making his children. Our fighter verse tells us how we become his children and where that all comes from. Fighter verse says, to those who received him, and so what does received mean? Who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. And then he says, and, and by the way, it didn't come from you. You didn't just like make it up and just determine it yourself. It's God had a plan in the first place. Who are born not of blood nor the will of flesh or the will of man, but the will of God. And I believe it's the will of God because he put you here, and you're hearing the gospel that this word, and this word over the next several months as we're in Colossians, but even this morning, God may bring you life, and you might become a child of God today. Or if you're a child of God today, then what Paul says his plan is, is for you to grow up in Christ. For you to be presented mature in Christ you to be holding fast to Christ in your life. You, you learn what that looks like. How do I hold fast to Christ? How am I rooted and built up in Christ? How do I, how, what does that look like for me? Okay.
0: Here's what I want
2: us to hear. See, you should, if you have an outline, I have a main point that I want to get across, and then under that, I'm going to give you five points. Your outline says four, so you're going to add one, one more to here, here's, here's the main point. We should give thanks to God because our lives have been transformed by the fruit-producing hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. We should give thanks because our lives have been transformed by the fruit-producing hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might say, okay, I've been saved, but I don't know if I feel like I've been transformed. Formed by the fruit, you're gonna say, "What?" Well, that's a lot of words there. I, don't, I want to explain it. The fruit-producing hope, and where does that hope come from? The gospel of Jesus Christ I said this last week. You ever gone to a pop? come to that? You come to the Coke machine and you take your your fifty cents and you put your fifty cents into the Coke machine, and there is a limbo between the time the money goes in the machine and you get the Coke can and you put that in there and it's like there's no, it's not delivering the Coke yet and you have to come and you take your elbow and just give it a hard whack of that Coke machine the coins drop, then you get the Coke so often in the Christian life and in the churches we have people where the gospel has come, the coin has been put in but there's no transferable difference you don't see, hey like the world, we, we lust like the world, we desire like the world, there's not that transformative difference. And, that's, and, and, and God in His plan, and His process, comes and He, he hits that machine. And, and that coin drops. And we go, I get it. I get it. And what, that is, what happens is that getting it is, I get what He has really done for me. And what He is doing for me and how I am now, and then we start to apply what it really means to walk and to be overwhelmed with what the gospel of Jesus Christ really means for me. What it means to walk in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And, Paul's, and, and what I pray, and what we pray, and what we Paul prayed for, is that the coins would drop in our hearts in a greater way. I want that in my life. I do feel like God has done that in my life, but I want more of that. So that over time we go, hey, what's the secret of Faith Baptist Church? What's the secret of your life? You say, oh, I, it's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus. But, well, I thought you believed the gospel a long time ago. Yeah, but now I get it. Yeah, but now I see it. Now, now I, I experience it and Paul experienced it and Paul is saying, I pray that you will experience it. And what I want you to see here is I want to look at as I said here, our lives have been transformed by the fruit producing hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and therefore we should give thanks. And so that's a lot there. So I want to boil it down to this phrase. The fruit producing hope of the gospel. The fruit producing hope of the gospel is what I want to focus on. And so and break it so I want to break it down into five components. Five components that should cause our hearts to be thankful and to long. Did not be satisfied. And just like you would say, "Hey," just like in the illustration, Molly would say, "I got this. I got this grass and shrubbery and poor garden, and I long for something greater." We are to long for something greater and pray for something greater, and we see this in this first paragraph. Here are five things about the fruit producing hope of the gospel. Number one, it is always from God, from first to last. What we find here is Paul starts and says, Church, I'm really thankful to God. Every time I pray for you, I just can't help but getting really excited and thanking God because of all that happened in your life, and it happened because there's a hope in you, and it happened because you received the gospel. But who does Paul thank? God. He only thanks God because God is responsible. This isn't just some nice way of saying, hey, good job, Colossians. You're starting to bear fruit. Good job, Colossians. You're starting to love and have faith. Good job. You did it. That's not what he's doing. I always thank God. You, you, this is, this is a quite an interesting thing. If you look through all of Paul's letters, you know he never, ever thanks a human being. I, 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 I think that's right. He never thanks. Now, it's not a pattern... Should thank people. He says, be thankful. So we should go around thanking all the people. But it's it's very interesting. Almost every time you find Paul thanking in his letters, he's thanking God. Because even when he's ready to thank somebody, he's quickly to say, I thank God for that work in your life. I thank God for I I, I, I want to say, hey, thanks, Jay. Thanks for serving us in music this morning. Every week, and I and I think it's right to thank him. And it's right to thank whoever it is here that thank you for serving, for, for taking care of this need in the church, Deacon. Or thank you for cleaning the bathrooms. You serve us week in and week out, and you bless everybody. And your servicemen. But but there's a way of saying, and I want to thank God, who has given you the grace to minister to me, His power through you. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, so and so. And Paul does that he starts by saying, "It's I thank God because it's God that does it. You realize that if you have the fruit-producing hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if you don't have, I hope you have, and I hope you want to know what that means, and I hope you learn what that means in a greater way. We're going to talk about that. If you do have the, hope, the fruit-producing hope of the gospel, it's because God gave. Since we give thanks to God, we're going to see through this passage that it is God that is working in this, these Colossians. It's God that's working through Paul. It's God that brought it to Epaphras who brought it to the Colossians. And if you were to look, if any of you were to look and say, hey, I now have saving faith in God. I have a hope that's in heaven. And I know that he changed me. None of you would say, and good job, I want to I was dead in my trespasses and sins. That's Bible language. I was dead in my sins, and God made me alive. God came and He did a work, and I rejoice. The first thing we need to know about the gospel is number one that it is from God, from first to last, and we need to thank Him for that. We thank Him for that. The second thing that I want you to see is number two about the fruit-producing hope of the gospel is it bears genuine, lasting, and life-giving fruit. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the fruit-producing hope of the gospel, is indeed fruit-producing. What God intends to do is not just stick that coin, the coin doesn't just come into the machine, and we never get the coke. The gospel comes in, and yes, God, in his plans, Like, man, there's not massive transformation, but he does, and it does, and it delivers, and there's fruit that comes as a result of the gospel coming. And what Paul said is the the fruit we find this in almost all Paul's letters we have faith, hope, and love, the three theological virtues. And here we find it right away Paul says, I give thanks to God, and this is why, because of you. And, and I also thank for the love that you have for all the saints. He's saying, you have, you have been a transformed people. You start to love. You start to you lay down your life. You're, you're sacrificial. You are not proud. You are instead giving to one another. You, you sell things and you give to the poor and the widow and the needy. And that's not happened anywhere in the Roman Empire at that time. And you're standing out as a, a people who are of light. But that didn't happen because you heard a message, and that message wasn't, if you are loving, and if you believe these things, God will now accept you and reward you. No. You heard a message, you received that message, you received it believing you didn't deserve it at all, but God gave it to you, and it transformed you, and from the inside out there except it's divine it's of God and they started loving and he said so what happens is the hope producing fruit of the gospel is from God and it does something it changes us you say man I got a lot of changing to do yeah I need to god it will not stop changing us until we die he's in the process of making us like our savior and our big Brother process of making us like Jesus day by day by causing us to know him more and to live, be made into his image. And so what we find here is Paul's writing and saying, I praise God fruit is taking place. It's, it's fruit and it's real. It's life-giving. It's genuine. It's not fake. And it's happening. It's happening more and more. And, it's, and he says it's a love from the Spirit, at verse 8. First, let us know your love in the Spirit. It's a a love that's beyond just being nice to somebody. It's real, sacrificial love. But where did that come from? Number three. Number three. It is anchored in the hope of the gospel hope of the gospel has the word hope in it. Has hope in it. We're going to see the hope in the, Coloss- in the letter to the Colossians. This is, you, when we read these letters, we need to think through, Paul is making a logical argument. He said, I thank God, God did it, and he says, I thank God that he gave you faith in Christ. We're going to talk about faith in Christ in later weeks. And the love that you have for the saints, it really makes a difference. And now he's going to go on and say, you need to love more. And you need to grow in that love. But he says, where does it come? Because of the hope. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. He's saying, you started loving, and you continued to believe in Jesus because you had a deep-seated hope laid up for you in heaven, and you wouldn't let go of that. Faith and love, they sprung up because of hope that was rooted down there in God. We're going to see at the end of Colossians 1, Jesus Christ, the great mystery is Christ, the hope of glory. Christ comes in us and we believe something that we could never believe before. We hope in it. Now, what is this hope of the New Testament? There's a type of hope in the New Testament. And it's not the kind of hope that says, I hope. The Red Wings win the Stanley Cup. But I don't know for sure they will. Right? You might say, I hope. Right? Right, Brad? Amen? Um, You would say, I hope that. But that's not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope in the New Testament is a confident assurance, a confident and firm conviction that transforms my imagination and my emotions, and my whole will and being knowing for sure and absolutely confident that something future, something great, something glorious will take place.
0: The reason is
2: because he who promised is faithful in the believe. It. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives us that message. The gospel of Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And when he rose from the dead, he became the firstborn of a new creation. And that new creation is the kingdom of God that God is preparing. God is remaking this world. He has gone away and he's going to come again. He's going to return again, and he's going to make all. He's going to judge sin, and he's going to make all things new. He's going to build up his kingdom. He is absolutely sovereign, and there's a sort of new world order. There's a new age that's coming, and everybody that turns away from their own sins and even their own ways and efforts of trying to get to God or be righteous, they turn to him and believe in this, this the Son of God, and what he did on the cross for them to tra- take all of their sins away make him his God's son, all those that have faith on him, they have been transformed from a kingdom of darkness and destruction into the kingdom of his dear son. Did on the cross, he took every single sin of past, present, and future, every wicked thought, everything that you should have done but didn't do, he took it and he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross, Colossians 2 says. And he, more than that, he took your enemy and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to public shame on the cross. They thought that they had Jesus on the cross. It is complete. I am the sovereign king and lord. And if you bow the knee to me. To putting your faith and trust in me. I make you new. And I will someday give you an inheritance. As a son. And you will have all glory. You will with me shine like the sun. And you will be an inheritor. Of all that I have received. And everything that you have longed for. Rightfully longed for. That don't you don't receive on this earth. Is, is it's just a shadow of glory that's coming someday, and you'll receive with Christ as you bow the knee to Jesus. That's that's what the gospel declares to them, and they believed it. And so these these Colossian Christians, they could put up a, up a lot because they knew their inheritance was coming. They, they knew it. And they knew they were free to love. Just like if you if you received a letter that you're gonna receive an inheritance from an uncle that you never knew of billions of dollars, tax-free, you were going to receive that next year, I tell you what, you'd probably be real generous this year. You knew that was coming. You'd just have a, a freedom in your heart. Well, maybe you wouldn't because our hearts are wicked and we would quickly focus on other things. So that aside, but but the hope of that changes you. The hope of the gospel changed these Colossians hope of the gospel changes you and me. It, it changes the way we compare it to the way we, her, her wife, or husband, how we, how we work and how we view the world. We view the world differently because of the hope of the fruit-producing gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said that's true of you, Colossians. The hope of the gospel changed you. And it produced love. It produced a faith in Christ Jesus, of which I am so thankful every time I pray for you really important. It's going to be really important that we get to know this hope this year. If if you want that coin to drop in a way that you go, I'm overflowing with thanksgiving to God. We can know that in a classroom setting, but to know it in a way that you are moved and melted by the gospel of Jesus, by the truth of what Jesus does. That's what God has to do, but he does it through his word. Number four, fourth thing I want you to see about the hope producing fruit of the gospel is it is ever-growing and wide-growing in its work. It's ever-growing and it's wide-growing in its work. That's a strange way of saying it, wide-growing. But what it's, I want you to see where it says, indeed, Paul says, he says, that hope you clung to, you heard in the word of the gospel. And then he, he just emphasizes it. By the way, he says, and it's ever-growing. It's in your life. It's not the gospel doesn't come to you, hey, if you're a member here, we, we went through your testimonies and said, oh yeah, we believe that you're a Christian. Maybe, maybe you were telling the truth, but we believe you're a Christian, so we think that's the case. But here's the thing is, do you know that the gospel didn't just save you? The gospel is ever-growing in your life, and it, it never stops growing. And this is what Paul says, indeed, in the whole world, it's bearing fruit and growing. As it also does among you. You who are already Christians. As indeed in the whole world, it's bearing fruit. It's doing this and it did it in you. I, I love this. This is so hope-giving. There are people in the faith, Lyndon and, and Fenton and Argentine and Schwartz Creek and Byron and Southwest Tyrone Township and Holly. and there are people all over here that God is in the process and He's going to be in the process of bringing them into the gospel. He's going to bring them through, through you, inviting them. And they're going to come in and God, and it's, the gospel is going to grow. It's, until Christ returns, he promises for his gospel to do this work. And Paul says to the Colossians, what happened to you, by the way, isn't mm-hmm. an anomaly. It's happening all over the world. In, in fact, there, you can read book, Rodney Stark wrote The Rise of Christianity, and he said it is a shocking miracle. He, he wasn't even a Christian when he wrote this. He's a historian and sociologist. He said the rise of Christianity from, from Christ's resurrection in the early church to AD 330 when the empire, Christian Empire, when the Roman Empire became a Christian empire, is just astounding and you Because they found in the early church, you have it spreading. And you have the early church getting a hold of this message, believing it. It changed, changed their life. And it meaning it changed the way they treated one another. And so you have secular emperors writing about Christians saying, these Christians, they believe crazy things. But I'll tell you what, they love each other. Not only do they love each other, but they love... Not their own but those that are not christians and so when plagues would come through a city and devastate a city all the rich would leave a city they would leave their own their own family to die because they didn't they couldn't explain how the plague would come and they would leave not christians they were there and they preached the gospel and they loved with their hands and with their heart Ever growing. It grew in the believers in Colossi, and it grew all over the world. Here's the last point that I want you to get. It's not in your outline, but it, you can add this to it. Number five, it is delivered by human messengers with divine power. I'll say it again. It is delivered by human messengers. Delivered by human messengers with divine power. Look what what we find in this opening paragraph. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Epaphras came and he was your pastor. And he came and he preached faithfully the gospel. And you who were dead, or you were in darkness, you became alive because that messenger came and he preached it. God doesn't just speak from heaven. He uses a a human messenger to deliver that message, but it comes with divine, holy power from God. I I think some of you may may be new to faith Baptist, but I look around, there are a lot of people in here that would say, the Epaphras in my life And you might think of a pastor in your own life, or maybe it was a children's worker, or, or your parents, or other. It was a, a, a human messenger that brought the truth of God's word. And I look at my life and I look how God used different people, different humans, men, women, who spoke. not receive this as it was just the word, but it was the very word of God, and it came with power. And you turned from your idols, and you served the living and true God, and it was God that did it. And it was God using human messengers, and you truly believed the gospel, and it started to produce food because you hoped in something great. You hoped in God more than anything else. And what better time than for us to hear this gospel in 2016... And we could go and look and say, what's going on with the stock market? I don't know. What's going on in politics? I don't know. What's going on in the economy? I don't know. What's going on in all this? But what I do know is the hope of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? We'll try that again. What I do know is the hope of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's so good. response here to be is to believe and obey it, to receive it. It's to say, Christ died for my sins. And so he loves me. And he gave himself for me. I need to receive that. And he has a plan for me. And I look to him and I get help from him through human messengers and through other people, through others in this room. You can't, we don't grow in our faith alone. We grow with other people. We get people to help us. And we, and we grow in this faith as we seek him. We receive this gospel. Believe it. Frankly, all of us have the testimony of the Father that came to Jesus said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I need your help. I need your help. Let's bow before, I, before we close in prayer. I want you to bow and close your eyes. We're going we're to be looking through Colossians over the next several months now. I, I want you to ask yourself. Messages for you, just as much we, we, we've been given great, and now we need to start living upon the gift that we have and start opening all the presents. God, I pray that you'd help us to open up and start to receive all that you've already delivered to us through the gospel of Jesus. Help us to start experiencing what that means and how we Wednesday night when we gather in the Great in the Sermon on the Mount when we pray together this week and it's the Bible studies that are taking place and God I pray that you would be with the time right after as we fellowship and even right now as we're going to take an offering God I pray that you would provide to us through this but you would all, any gift of love and sacrifice because we're thankful for the hope of the gospel our hope isn't stored up or bank, it is in you. We thank you for that. We thank you that our hope is not in our doctor or insurance; it is in you. Oh God, I pray that we make a difference. We love it. We love the promises of God. For oh God in Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to sing. We're going to stand and respond by singing, and after that, we're going to take an offering. So come on and sing. Please keep in mind that we will meet. It's Wednesday at six thirty for kids and teens, at six forty-five for all adults in this room. As we study in the Sermon of the Mount and we pray together as a church, we're taking line by line, bit by bit, through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and then, and then join us if you are new to faith and want to meet. We're having a first first things at faith every Sunday morning at nine forty-five. That's during the Sunday school hour over down in that room back there. I'm going to be I'm leading that with Lee Monday. Come with and join us next week. It's not too late to join uh, that class. And here, go after the fighter verse this week. Uh, find the app, fighter verses, uh, in the app store, or just go. You can go to the website. You find it, or it's in your bulletin. Great passage of scripture to meditate from Romans, Romans chapter eleven. Here's the benediction. Find, listen for the hope here. Listen to our action been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life,